Hello and welcome to The Pilgrim's Digress. I am Zachary Bartles, here with Mr. Sagacity. Uh, he is the dog who returns to my vomit. Uh, that's not right. I'm the vomit. He's Just the dog. Just lap it up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's um, not good. <laughs> that's going to come around later, though, that concept. Sure. I was trying to be thematic. Mm. Uh, we are here to digress on chapter 22, the penultimate uh, chapter here. There's only one left. And frankly, I think, uh, along with C.S. Lewis and others, that uh, it gets a little bit slow here in, near the end. Um, it reminds me a bit of uh, when you get near the end of uh, The Return of the King. And you're life. Like, How many... End- <laughs> When well, you get towards the end of life, that's what's happening slow, here, baby. I guess. Yeah. Uh, these guys are trying to keep awake is the mm-hmm. ironic part because yeah. it puts the reader to sleep. <laughs> but luckily, a lot of this long conversation that comprises the end of uh, the that comprises this walk through the enchanted ground is uh, stuff we've already dealt with. We've mm-hmm. already depicted. Uh, there's an axiom show, don't tell. Uh, and we've shown. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the conversion story of Hopeful, we've mostly shown everything that's conveyed. They'll talk a little about it here. Um, and and some of this other stuff uh, we've, we've tried to work out in, in some vignettes and stuff. So, hopefully, this is uh, tolerable and you don't bail before the final episode when they reach yeah. the city. Although that does happen, mm. there is a way to the mouth of hell from the gates of heaven just as well as there is from the city of destruction. So. Yeah. Don't bail on us. <laughs> the or you're going to hell. are dire. That's the, that's <laughs> that's it. It. Yeah. That's the thing we're that's trying to the, say. Uh-oh. <laughs> but um, no, that's not true. No. You, you could stop listening to this podcast, but if you've put your faith in Jesus, you won't go to hell. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I just want to be clear on that. The first thing that we see here is a little attempt at some comic relief. I say attempt. I shouldn't be too humble. I think that- uh, I think you got it. I'm not that funny in person. What? I'm like Paul, Paul, who was strong in writing and then uh, feeble in person. I'm often funnier in writing than I am, uh, you know, talking face to face. Did you know the the church curmudgeon, uh, who has whatever two hundred thousand followers or something on Twitter, uh, and uh, he's a, a buddy of mine. We interviewed on my other podcast, the Gut Check Podcast. He wasn't that funny when you were oh, just talking. Oh, wow, no. He's, he's very funny in writing. Yeah. He was just kind of straight to the point when you talk to him. See, that's odd, because I feel like 95% of my time with you, we're giggling. Yeah, you no, know? we're both very funny. We're I just kind of silly goosing. It was false humiliating. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're, we're very funny people. Uh, <laughs> no, what's, somebody said in a review, and please review the, the oh, yeah. Uh, podcast, yeah. we'd like more people to find it, especially now that they'll be able to binge the whole thing. That's kind of cool. Um uh, that 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 you and I uh, like kind of yucking it up with each other was their mm. favorite thing about wow. the podcast, and I thought, well, that's neat. Mm. Um, so anyway, I like the, yucking with you, man. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> there's things I'm trying not to say. Yeah, uh, and and uh, okay, I like yucking with you too, man. Yeah. <laughs> the the first thing here is is uh, a little. It's it's a pot shot. And poor yeah. John uh, Bunyan, who cannot defend himself on account of his deadness. And uh, it's something that we've alluded to before. Mm. His poetry is not great. Yeah. And so uh, my wife, who is, uh, you know, my wife recently mentioned in Publishers Weekly 
by the presidents of the Evangelical Christian Publishing Association among like four people who kind of like give him hope for the the future of uh, Christian publishing. Uh, her name's Erin Bartles. Wow, by congratulations, Erin. Uh, yeah, she's, and, and you know, she she's getting so haughty and proud. Yeah. She, she won't even make eye contact with me anymore. It's really, it's a problem. People um, carried her into the church. <laughs> it was this like one of those chairs with the yeah. poles, yeah. <laughs> which has a name that eludes me now. Uh, she uh, wrote the poems that we've used for the most part uh, because as a poet, she's infinitely better than Bunyan. So what we did here was <laughs> to keep awake because the air is thin in the enchanted ground. Uh, they decide they're going to write a hymn and, and Christian, who's talented at it, says, hopefully give it a shot. Yeah. And he tries his very best, and what he comes up with is exactly, word for word, one of Bunyan's poems about the enchanted ground. And Christian says, the meter's a little off, but hey, for the first time, it's not so bad. It's something to do, right? I guess. Yeah. You know. This is something I heard. This yeah. is something you wrote. <laughs> um, we didn't really talk much about the enchanted ground last time. I said I wanted to read this quote uh, from Spurgeon. I'm going to read it more than I intended to. Because I feel like with Spurgeon, the more context you give, the more gold you get. This is from Pictures from the Pilgrim's Progress, which if you're a patron, uh, you can hear the beginning of that on the patron feed. And then in between season one and two, I'm going to come out with all of that and all of Alexander White's Bunyan characters uh, as well for, for, for part one. So here is uh, the quote. Oh, Christians, do you know that your Lord is coming in such an hour as you think not the man who is asleep is in a state of insecurity. The murderer smiteth him that sleeps. The midnight robber plundereth his house that resteth listlessly on his pillow. J.L. smiteth a sleeping Sisera. One of my favorite stories from the Old Testament. Here's a little, little warm milk, a little cozy mm -hmm. blankie for you. A little tent peg. Yeah. Sleep well, buddy. <laughs> I've literally nailed your head to the ground. Uh, Abner taketh away the spear from the bolster of a slumbering Saul. A sleeping Eutychus falleth from the third loft and is taken up dead. The sleeping Samson is shorn of his locks and the Philistines are upon him. Sleeping men are ever in danger. They cannot ward off the blow of the enemy or strike another. Christian, if thou art sleeping, thou art in danger. Thy life, I know, can never be taken from thee. That is hid with Christ in God. But, oh, thou mayest lose thy spear from thy bolster. Thou mayest lose much of thy faith and thy cruise of water, wherewith thou dost moisten thy lips, may be stolen by the prowling thief. Oh, thou little knowest thy danger. Even now the black-winged angel takes his spear and standeth at thy head. He says to Jesus, to David, shall I smite him? I will smite him but once. David says, or Jesus whispers, thou shalt not smite him. Take his spear and his cruise, but thou shalt not kill him. But oh, awake thou slumber. Start up from the place where thou liest in thy insecurity. This is not the sleep of Jacob, in which ladders unite heaven and earth, and angels tread their ascending rounds. But this is the sleep where ladders are raised from hell, and devils climb upward from the pit to molest thy spirit. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, Christian kind of observe that last bit there. This is, this is the kind of sleep that he has, even though the pleasant arbor was there for his rest, mm. he should not have been sleeping then. This is being inactive and deactivated when you still have life in you. Mm. You were talking a bit before we hit record here about your kind of sense of what the enchanted ground was. Yeah, I think that it's that period in the Christian's life where there isn't a giant 
There isn't, you know, a Polyon to fight mm-hmm. in the particular moment. There isn't, your faith isn't being challenged by atheists. It's just that quiet period, which is probably most of our lives, mm-hmm. where, you know, you just have to still be faithful. You know, right. you know you're not praying out of profound pain, you know. It, it, something hasn't been taken from you. You're not pouring yourself into the scriptures because you need answers or you right. need faith. You're reading the scriptures for 10 minutes every morning out of a habit maybe. Yep. But it, that can be the thin air, right? Yeah. And, it, you know, is this what's going to lead you to fall away? Just the mm-hmm. boring kind of everyday um, monotonous work of the Christian life, of faith, of glorifying God. Because it's not always going to be exciting. And I think, I think yeah. you know, people can be drawn into that feeling, especially as newer Christians, um, where, you know, you get drawn into the life change and, you know, you're seeing your sin everywhere and you're constantly fleeing from this or fleeing from that. And or, you have uh, kind of uh, yeah. conflict with people who used to mm-hmm. sin with you and, and yeah. you're going, I can turn this into evangelism. You have these constant pushings up and brushings up against the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're always discovering new levels of, and, and that should never stop. We're always yeah. discovering new sins within us because we're always, you know, still yet sinful, but they become boring sins, mm-hmm. right? They become the kind of sins that you didn't notice before because they're not flashy, sexy sins yeah. to, to battle with. Right. Well, no one's really writing books about them. Right. Right. You know, yeah. you know it's, it's, it's no one's getting together at, begging for prayer or anything because I'm I'm so hooked on getting kind of lazy. Right, you yeah. Know? Just, that is every man's battle. Yeah. But the book Every Man's Battle is not about not that. Not about that. Yeah, no. yeah it's about something uh, that's, and which is a huge problem mm-hmm. and, and will hamstring your faith. Yeah. Pornography, which is mm-hmm. what it's about, and lust. But like, yeah, the, the idea that your sins are now sideline sins. They're not blockbuster movies. They're like- Instead of being the Tom Cruise jumping out of a plane and landing on a motorcycle, they're like a guy, you know, putting his feet in an Epsom salt bath. And, <laughs> right. And, well, and you begin to to kind of just get a little too comfortable. Well, and, the, you know, the danger from there becomes, well, if when your sins become boring, does your Christ become boring? Right. Yeah. You know? Even at the end of his life. Now, granted, he had very big haunting PTSD sins behind him. But at the end of his life, Newton still says, I know two things. Yeah. I am a great sinner. Christ is a great savior. And you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with, and we, we, we may explore this question, I think further of, are these guys old or not? Mm-hmm. Because they've reached the end here. They didn't get whisked away like faithful prematurely. But as you pointed out, Christian's wife is still young and yeah, so are his he's kids. Small kids. Yeah. So I think it, it just doesn't perfectly work. But at any rate, if this is generally approaching Beulah land, which is a place for senior saints, a place of repose mm. and, and, you know, kind of heaven and earth almost overlapping, um, we know so many people who haven't fallen into that. Mm. And yet we also know so many who have. And I know young people who've fallen into it. The longer you're in the church, probably the more likely. You know, you're like, yeah, by the time I was 13, I knew all the Bible stories. They don't blow my my skirt up anymore, right? Right. Uh, So now what? Now I have to either find another movement that has weird, interesting, new, different stuff, and that does it for me, or I have to learn Christ himself should always, like, bring awe to the surface and throw me down on my face and fill me with a sense of... uh, 
wanting to pursue him and and make more and more progress. And and even when my lusts are quiet, as Owen says, Owen, who got the Pilgrim's Progress published by his own publisher, um, he says when when they're quietest, you know, when they're little and they don't seem like worthy enemies, that's when you want to destroy them the hardest. You know, yeah. get the battle axe out, stop, start lopping off heads, and great. I mean, what's funny is the stronger the the hero in a movie. I don't want to suggest that Christians become like the equivalent of Superman as they get mature, but like you never see Superman just fighting regular guys as the main right. conflict. It's yeah. always Zod or it's somebody else who has superpowers. And I think a lot of the Christians, I mean, think about John Piper and I know somehow he's become controversial. Yeah. All these old guys that we love somehow have, or think of R.C. Sproul, who's mm-hmm. with the Lord now in their old age their passion for following Jesus didn't wane. Yeah. Quite the opposite. Yeah. I mean, I listened to John Piper's sermons from the 80s and I like them. Mm-hmm. His voice is like different and like <laughs> it's not as gruff and not as, and he doesn't sound as wise, but he doesn't sound as passionate either. Mm-hmm. And when you watch those, his yeah. arms aren't as flailed crazy. He's, he's, he's coming from the seminary classroom yeah. into the pulpit. Yeah, very you know. ivory tower. And then into his old age, uh, he's he's just full of more Jesus, more love, more zeal. I hope that's me. Yeah. Well, it, it, we had talked about um, uh, when, when, when Tim Keller died and, you know, you know, people were coming out and saying things that they remember about him and things like that. And, you know, you know, Piper talked about how they were just emailing each other back and forth and it was nothing to do with, will you endorse this or will mm-hmm. you do this or let's establish a conference here. Or do what this about my or do legacy? That. Yeah. Yeah. It was nothing to do with that. They were just reveling in scripture together about how amazed that they were that in Luke, when the you know disciples return from casting out demons and they're all amazed that they can do all of this stuff. Right. Yeah. And Jesus says, well, that shouldn't amaze you. What should amaze you is your names in the book of life. Yeah. That's what's amazing. And the fact that a guy who's been walking with the Lord, you know, for what, 50 some odd years or something, and he's had this successful ministry and he's had all the books published and he's preached how many sermons, you know, not only in a pulpit, but also just, you know, uh, at conferences and things like that. I mean, how many times has he communicated the gospel? Clips have been heard over and over mm-hmm. and over again around the world. Yeah. And the risk of that, to me, becoming not sweet, you know, no longer producing emotion in me, for myself, I think is high. And yet to hear someone who is just so in love with that story, mm-hmm. you know, that old, old story, um, uh, is just so in love with it and encapsulated by it that like that's that's how he's going to die, just glory, like, just 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 glorying in this these words spoken by the Savior um, with another guy who's probably getting ready to kick it soon. Uh, oh, I hope not. But, I mean, <laughs> I mean, relatively, yeah. there's that word again soon, right? But I mean, yeah, these are but, two guys. One of them with stage four pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. He, he got a new lease, like Hezekiah, new lease on life from mm-hmm. some like hardcore uh, immunotherapy or something, but knew that th- it's just yeah. kicking the can down the road a little bit. They are, even with this cancer hanging over his head, these are two guys, I think, we haven't gotten there yet, but they're in Beulah land in the sense that, yeah, one of them is about to say goodbye as the other one goes to the city, mm-hmm. but they're they're getting such a foretaste the things of this world and the the shimmering of these all these things that aren't gold mm. fading away 
and the glory that's before them getting brighter and brighter every day. And, you know, I've sat by in almost 20 years of ministry, many, 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 many a bedside where people were actively dying or thought they might die soon and Mm -hmm. didn't know. It was uncertain. And it is wild, the difference between, in general, the difference between a believer and someone who's either a nominal Christian or anyone who's put all their eggs in the basket of this world Mm. and the flesh, which is, you know, about to be worm food. Yeah. Um, And that may have been an equivocation of flesh and Sark's flesh. But, you know, ultimately they put it all in this place and they're leaving this place. Yeah. Very different. I mean, the excitement that you, that clip that you sent me of Mm. the last email from. Yeah. uh, Timothy Keller. yeah, Yeah. In fact, it might be worth popping that in here. Based on the final exchange by email that Tim Keller and I had, there's something I think he would want me to say to younger pastors, maybe younger everybody. We were reveling together in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, where Jesus responds to the 72 disciples as they return from their ministry, and they are overjoyed that the demons are subject to them, and Jesus responds, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice in this, that your names are written in heaven. And Tim reminded me that Martin Lloyd-Jones found more comfort in that as he was dying than in any other text. My name is written in heaven. So here's what I think Tim would want me to say. By all means, do your biblical exegesis. By all means, do your cultural exegesis. By all means, preach the, the Word of God with all your heart. By all means, love your church, care for the flock. But under all that, in all that, above all that, Be more thrilled that you are saved than that you are successful. Take more delight in the Savior than in his service. That's what I think Tim Keller would want me to say. That's that's what we're talking about, right? Uh, Amazing stuff. And, 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 you know, I just watched the... uh, No, go ahead. No, it's good. And I just watched the uh, um, Hillsong documentary on Hulu, right? And I just was curious mostly how the world was presenting what had happened there and and what it might mean for how we have to talk to unbelievers who've seen such a thing. I thought it was semi-fair, although it mixed in how Hillsong wasn't in line with the world's values as a problem on par with Hillsong doing cover-ups and all sorts of things. But... um, it seems to me that somebody like, uh, I mean, we, we've named a few names now. We'll just keep doing it. Brian Houston, whose name got so huge, whose brand got so huge, whose uh, press was so impressive, and who started to believe his own clips. Um, if, if only he had a piper, hmm. you know, to, to be meeting with or, or in his life saying, hold on, forget the seashells that are, mm. you know, other women or yeah. all this fame or whatever, you know, keep your eyes on Christ. 
it could have gone. I mean, that that brand could have not been a brand. It mm. could have it could have been used for such great glory for God, and instead, it's kind of like Mars Hill and others before it just collapsing in on itself. It's heartbreaking. Well, in a smaller way, I think that we see this kind of played out between right Christian and hopeful. I mean, I mean, they're in this they're in this land where the temptation is to fall asleep, mm-hmm. fall away, given to the nominal faith of. It, it, things aren't exciting anymore, and I'm just doing this because I'm supposed to be. And then, you know, we move from that into, well, let's talk about your salvation. Let's rehash this thing, even though I was there. He was there, but he was in a different cell, so he didn't really know, yeah, what was going on. Let's get this. Let's get this story um, again. Yeah, you know, that'll revive me. Mm. Uh, you know, you know, hi- history is a conveyor belt of corpses, right? And it's never not interesting when one gets up. And right, yeah. <laughs> is is brought back to life. Yeah. You know, you, you, if we're thinking through history and we just go, it's just been a, a massive amount of people dying. That's what it's been. But then sometimes those corpses get up and they talk and they sing and they walk out and they, you know, start heading in the opposite direction. That's always interesting. No matter how many times you've heard it. Do you have a good testimony? Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was dead. Yeah. And now I'm dead not. And I'm alive. Yeah. yeah. Hey, maybe you were in a gang before. Maybe you were in an accounting job before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were dead in your sins and and new life breathed into mm-hmm. these dead bones and yeah. that whole picture from Ezekiel. No, I mean, like, yeah, that's that is you're right. That is worth yeah. talking about. And to me, the fact that they go right there mm. is very telling. This so so how do we combat the thin air of the enchanted ground and the temptation to sort of uh, just kind of sleepwalk through our Christian life. Not fight for our joy. It's to remind ourselves of what has been done on our behalf, what God is doing in us, what, what a great powerful God and merciful God does, does that endures that for Mm -hmm. us. And what a great way for them to pass the time. When they get into speculating about different kinds of people, mm. ignorance type people and stuff, I I feel like, I don't know, they're almost in talkative neighborhood because mm. they don't go back and use that to help minister to ignorance again. They just yeah. talk about that and then, and then they're like, oh, now we're at Beulah. See you in heaven soon, buddy. But, mm. you know, you don't know when you're going to die exactly, so you keep on sharpening iron, sharpening iron, learning more, talking about how you can understand the world and and reach them with the gospel. It makes sense. Shall we look at some scriptures? Sure. So we have Christian asking, uh, let me ask you a question. How did you first come to think about what you are doing now? Again, the, the events leading up to all this, um, we have already discussed earlier when we portrayed them, but uh, he says a few things here. That, that weren't touched on before. For a long time, I continued to delight in those things which were on display and marketed at Vanity Fair. These were things that I now believe, had I continued in them, would have certainly led to my eternal damnation and destruction. Hmm. So part of his testimony, even when talking to a fellow Christian is, let's remember, we were all hmm. outside of grace. We were all, I mean, in Jesus' words, standing already condemned. Not, why will God send me to hell? He'll condemn me. You condemned yourself with your life, and God is holy. Uh, And that's, he remembers that. I think that there's a little cutesy buzz phrase that's worked its way into the church, which is, forgive and forget. Mm. And then it gets married to another cutesy buzz phrase, forgive yourself 
Right. And when you put those together, you get, don't ever think about your sins. <laughs> That's dangerous. Yeah. Well, and it's really hard to read Paul, you know, like genuinely read Paul and especially Romans 7 and things he has to say about himself. Mm-hmm. And then later on in Ephesians where, you know, he's 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 drawing out these massive lists of sins for you, right? And right in the middle of them, he'll just drop in with which we all walked or, you know, you've all walked in this. You've all are guilty of all of these things because people need that constant reminder. Yeah. No, no, I'm... I'm the fallen person here. Um, uh, I'm only forgiven because of him. I'm not forgiving myself. He yeah. forgives me. But I need to be aware of my sin capacity and the fact that if I'm not being kept by him every moment, I'm going to crawl back to it like a dog to its own vomit, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to go back to it, and I know I will. I'll go try and remake the you know all, all the things that I sold. Uh, I'll, I'll go and try and barter for them back because— I'm a sinner. That's 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 what being bogged down with this flesh is. I I do the things that I don't want to do, and I know I don't want to do them, but I do them anyways. You know, you know, Romans seven, I think, gets across this frustration really, really well mm-hmm. of what it is to be someone who loves Jesus and hates the world, but is still in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wretched man that I am. Mm-hmm. Not was. Yeah. And then and you have this whole like funny play of oh no no he's he's speaking as someone who's not really yeah. The only time in the whole Bible someone unprompted and without cluing you in on it speaks yeah. as someone else or as himself before. No, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? And then immediately yeah. there's the but God moment. Praise be to God and Jesus Christ who gives us a victory. I think I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have it exactly right. But yeah, you have to remind yourself, like when you initially bring the gospel to somebody, right? You say, you're a sinner, and you yeah. help them understand that. Hopefully you don't, you know, hold this a sign that says you're going to hell. But yeah. I like how Ray Comfort does it. Right. And you can do that a little more slyly, but he uses a microphone in your face and it works. <laughs> Have you ever, and then he starts going through the Ten Commandments, he gets them, he says, by your own admission, you're a idolatrous, blaspheming, lying, adulterous thief. Mm-hmm. So on the day of judgment, if you're judged by that standard, what where do you think you're gonna go? Heaven or hell? And I've seen so many times where people, you know, watching those videos. It's dangerous because it can like scratch the itch and then you don't want to do it. But what you do is you pray, God, make me want to do, you know, accomplish right. these same things. Right. You watch these people, their face changes, the, behind the eyes changes hmm. from haughtiness to broken and hopelessness to understanding hmm. and faith and hope. And I don't know how anyone watches these and then goes, ah, ha, ha, it's the banana guy right. rather than literally crying. Mm. I mean, wow, it's good stuff. Uh, and, you know, I think in our world today of culture war Christianity, like a lot of the people that that uh, Christians want to watch and want to champion, they're not so concerned with I'm a sinner anymore. It's all of these other people that want to corrupt your children and steal our culture are the problem and we're the righteous defenders. Right. That is, um, I mean, there's there's something to be said for uh, standing up for truth, certainly. But careful how we frame ourselves. If mm. we're the righteous ones and everyone else is the problem, we're going to get pharisaical pretty quick. Yeah. It, and it really is going to wind up. I think that is a quick, that's like the Disney fast pass, skip the line, right <laughs> to sleep in the enchanted ground, right? right. I mean, now, once you're haughty, and your flesh is behind the wheel, spiritually, you're, you're sawing logs. This is, I mean, if, if even when Jesus says, 
uh, someone's going to betray me mm. this very night. You're going to deny me before the, cro- the before the cock crows three times. You're going to deny me, and still they can fall asleep. Yeah. When all that exciting stuff kind of goes to the background, and we go, oh, well, it's just another grind, another day of, uh, you know, news headlines that make me angry and harumphy. And I go to church and, you know, we the preacher says the same six phrases and quotes the same five verses from memory. And then I come back home. Oh, it's dangerous stuff. Mm. Um, this being the last real season of danger they face before, you know, the, the real big, uh, the, the real big obstacle that is the river, I think it's telling too. Mm. Like later in your life as a Christian, late in, in maturity there's there's a danger of just complacency. Mm-hmm. Is that is that mm-hmm. you think that's fair that that the danger of this you know allegorical ground is complacency? Yeah, and it's someone who's not working out their salvation with fear and trembling because they've already done it, right? Except for not really because they're already you know they're they're so self assured in their own cleverness and their own works. I mean, if you just see the difference between them and then how they're spending their time and what they're doing, and then they try and rope ignorance into it, and he's no no no, I I have no desire to talk to you. I've already figured things out, you know. And then you see obviously in the you know next chapter how things work out for him, mm-hmm. but like he's just so assured already that he has it. He's figured it all out. I, there's nothing left to work out. I know I'm already going to be accepted. Um, and yeah, he's able to easily go to sleep, rest just fine, you know, blow through any kind of fellowship with other people. Doesn't have a love for the brethren. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that should be. Doesn't want to his, take part in the yeah. renewal of the covenant uh, ceremony. Yeah. Forget all that. I just want to get to, you know. We're getting heaven. ahead of ourselves. Though. Yeah. <laughs> but it it's. I think you can see the difference there between between someone who's just complacent and has in their own mind figured it all out. They're all done. They've reached it. I've hit 60. It's time to retire. And I know that I'll have the white picket fence for the rest of my life and the, you know, purebred dog and the kids that call every week. And then I'll And there's nothing wrong with off. those things. As long as you're working out. It's good to retire as well because right. that gives you more time and more effort to put into the kingdom and right yeah. but like retiring from physical labor does not mean you're retiring from your spiritual labor right. which is, is yeah I working out our culture you know, really uh encourages that retiring from everything well, it means you know you you do the hard stuff and you do this very um old school american idea of delayed gratification mm-hmm. work 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 suffer 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 save 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 this is kind of falling out of fashion but some people still do it and then one day you'll be able to just go Ah, now yeah. it's almost heaven on earth, right? Uh, now that my knees are blown out and my hip hurts and I can't really see my giant TV as well, I can just rest from my mm-hmm. labors. It's like, hold on a minute. Yeah. Rest from your labors is a biblical category, buddy. Wait yeah. till you get there. Yeah. I, I sometimes worry about people then who are, you know, I, and I've had people in nursing homes that I minister to tell me like, I'm useless here. Mm. I hate this. And I tell them, you know, your ability to minister by praying for people and interceding for people, yeah. being as righteous as you are, is absolutely uh, invaluable. But it never seems to satisfy people, hmm. they, the, the, the godly. Yeah. They, they want to be able to. And so, you know, I, I think ideally, instead of just like the most righteous of the deacons visiting the people in the nursing homes, 
we'd send people who were struggling in their faith to visit those mm. people in the nursing homes, you right. know, so they could give counsel, so they could teach, so, you know, they could do these things even though, you know, they're retired and their health is flagging and they can't take care of themselves physically, maybe even at this point. Um, still, they have something to give. Mm. And of course, you do get to a point, and maybe it's part of Beulah Land, um, if you live long enough, where even that kind of thing, you hmm. you can't do anymore. It's, it's wild how God made our brains uh, and and wired us up. Where I've had I've sat next to people who were so racked by Alzheimer's, they didn't not only didn't know me, they didn't know their spouse, they couldn't tell me how many children they had. And I start singing how great thou art, and mm-hmm. they start singing right along. I yeah. start praying the Lord's prayer, and they pray it right along. What's that? What a grace! It's that. It's that. It's that faith that still speaks. Right, so like in Hebrews eleven, it talks about Abel's faith. Right, mm-hmm. even though he's passed, it still speaks. Mm-hmm. And and now, of course, it, it, that's dealing with the fact that salvation comes through faith alone. But but I think that we all have that ability just by living faithful lives, gospel centered, Christ centered lives. That even if you're not doing it explicitly with your words in your age or whatever, like people are going to be able to look back on the faithfulness of your life and say. Here was someone who was always giving up themselves. They were a you know role model in their family, a role model in their church, a role model in their community. Um, they loved Jesus more than anything on this planet, you know. And you have no doubt in your mind they would have sold everything in a heartbeat. They truly did sell all of their worldly possessions to buy the treasure in the field, and that's where all of their hope was, was in that treasure in that field. Mm-hmm. And in that way, your faith can minister greatly yeah. to younger saints looking for people, you know, especially as the church starts to get a little more fragmented in the fact that the people coming in are not coming from church backgrounds and aren't coming from long lines of believing family members or anything. And they don't have people that they can look up to. Well, wow, I really want to have my dad's faith. or I really want to have my mom's faith or my grandpa's faith or this or this. Nope. You know, I'm coming from generations of unbelieving heathens, essentially, mm-hmm. you know? So I need people to look up to. Yeah, cause I you, need... They're your family, all yeah. the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even perhaps, Jesus seems to frame it, they're more mm-hmm. your family. Um, yeah, that's that's such an invaluable thing. And, you know, I mean, uh, I, I do try to model my faith after my father's faith, mm-hmm. but now that he's with the Lord and he's in the city, it's great that I have... Uh, no shortage of other mm-hmm. godly men yeah. to to be inspired by and to be um, counseled by, et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's let's look at this text here that goes with. Um, well, we got a we got a little away from that, but I think we've already kind of half dealt with the Beulah Land concept. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's you know, you guys, it's it's a chronological, and so it's <laughs> deep and uh, very sophisticated. Um, for a long time, I continued to delight, etc. cetera. Uh, and I recognized that these would certainly lead to my damnation. He points to first Timothy six, nine. I'm going to give it a little bit of uh, context here. Godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Mm. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Yeah. I think it was good to read the content part because complacency is a danger. Contentment mm. is not. Right. And sometimes people have a hard time sussing the difference. Yeah. We yeah. should be content in all situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of who we have. Yeah. Not what we have, but right. who we have. Right. It's, again, that re-identification 
of where our faith is and the fact that it's present all of the time. The true context of Philippians 4, you know, I can do all things through you know, Christ who strengthens me, is I can suffer too. And I can live in excess. I thought that was about winning football games. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, but like, like, like I, I, can, I can, I can be the, completely yeah. content because I belong to Jesus. That's what matters. That's what I've been called to. That's what I've been destined into. Um, and how much greater is that than saying that, well, I'll have a bunch of excess mm-hmm. for the rest of this life. Never satisfied, mm-hmm. never satisfied. Mm-hmm. And then someday maybe you have to build the extra barn and you go, okay, finally that's enough. And mm-hmm. that's the day that God says, you fool, yeah. your life will be required of you this very night. Uh, I think even in the church though, we we tend to confuse contentment, yeah. complacency. Like there's a discontent you can have. This church is so small. Mm-hmm. I can't stand it. Where's the big screens or where's the pulpit you walk up the stairs to get to or whatever you're into, you know, um, and, and this like really down uh, discontent, it's not good enough. It's not right. It's not rather than Lord, thank you for the gift of this. Mm. But at the same time, not complacency that defends the status quo and says, no, 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 we're all just kind of happy right here, but no, we're, we're going to be content even as we trust God to lead us, to bring the gospel to those who haven't heard it or have rejected it to, be the hands and feet of Jesus and adorn the gospel with acts of love and mercy. Um, that's that's a really important tension mm-hmm. in the Christian life, content but not complacent. And I think that you can even in your own life, like I, I'm still struggling with this sin and I know people have, have come to me many times. I'm sure you've had people come to you and say, I don't even know if I'm saved. The same sin for yeah. seven years or 12 years or something and every time I think I've got it licked, it comes back and it and it just beats me bloody. And you say, hold on, Christ is enough, his grace is enough. Don't be complacent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna improve. I'm never gonna be sanctified. But be content in this moment that you can turn and look to him and receive forgiveness. Yeah. Don't let the devil rob you of your joy by pointing at sins that are under the blood of Christ. Yeah. And all of this is gonna shine through uh the whole testimony of Uh, hopeful, especially the stuff that we're going to skip because we already dealt with it. I think if we look at the uh, grace abounding to the chief of sinners, uh, there are a couple of passages that really can uh, give us uh, a hint into hopeful's testimony being Bunyan's testimony, just Mm -hmm. as in many ways Christian's testimony is Bunyan's testimony. He says in uh, Grace Abounding, section four, as for my own natural life, for the time that I was without God in the world, it was indeed according to the course of this world and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. It was my delight to be taken captive by the devil at his will, being filled with all unrighteousness, the which did also so strongly work and put forth myself both in my heart and life and that from a child that I had but few equals, especially considering my years, which were tender being but few, both for cursing, swearing, lying, and blaspheming the holy name of God. So like in the blaspheming competitions, he always got the gold medal. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's interesting you, you did love these things, right? He mm. delighted in them. There's happiness there. Hopeful recognizes that that was the same for him. Uh, and then in uh, the 26th uh, paragraph, Now therefore I went on in sin with great greediness of mind, still grudging that I could not be so satisfied with it as I would. 
He's, he's upset that it's not satisfying him. Yeah. This did continue with me about a month or more, but one day as I was standing at a neighbor's shop window, oh gosh, I love this, mm-hmm. and they're cursing and swearing and playing the madman after my wanted manner, there sate within the woman of the house and heard me, who, though she was a very loose and ungodly wretch, <laughs> yet protested that I swore and cursed at that most fearful rate that she was made to tremble to hear me and told me further that I was the ungodliest fellow for swearing that she ever heard in all her life Mm. and that I, by thus doing, was able to spoil all the youth in the whole town if they come up in my company. He he recognizes that uh, even the ungodly uh, would look at him askance. Like, Mm. this, this is a problem, and yet he loved it. And he wanted to be satisfied in it, yeah. but the Lord wouldn't let him be. And that is Vanity Fair in a mm. nutshell, right? Uh, and for most of them, they convinced themselves, we are satisfied with this, but it didn't work for Hopeful. It's not, yeah. it's not working. There's also a footnote to uh, Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's it, huh? Mm. But what, what about some, some silver lining there? No, that's the, and he's, he's writing to a church. Mm. Uh, there is, and he's writing to a church that's struggling with being too legalistic. Yeah. He's not going to let them swing that other direction with the pendulum of, no, 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 grace, don't worry about what you do, how you live. Uh, there's there's condemnation to be had for sinners. They don't enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, and that's the life that Hopeful indeed was living. And he knew that it would eventually lead him to destruction. So Hopeful, as he told uh, Faithful in the conversion scene, did a lot of attempted self-reformation and amendments. And he talks about his recent amendments where he you know, looks into himself and still sees sin, not only the sin that, that remains, the, the outstanding debt with the shopkeeper, as he puts it, yeah. but he's still racking up more debt even in his best day of self-reformation. And Christian says, what did you do? Hopeful says, what did I do? Why, I was at a loss to know which way to turn. That is, until I laid bare my heart to faithful, for he and I were well acquainted with each other. So he told me that unless I could obtain the righteousness of a man who had never sinned, then neither mine own nor all the righteousness of the world could save me. And surprisingly, he points us to Job 25, 4 to 6. This is one of those Puritan moves, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the epistles are full of this. Easy. The gospels are full of this. Do no, the deep no, cut. no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm going deep. Um, <laughs> here, I'll open to Job 25. No, let's race there. Go. Oh, gosh, you're going to win. Psalm, Proverbs, Job, right? No, Ecclesiastes, Job. How then can man be in the right before God? How can he who is born of woman be pure? Behold, even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes. How much less man who is a maggot uh, and the son of man who is a worm? Hmm. So that's about how the righteousness of him or the whole world couldn't save him, not about how he needs to look to a Mm. substitute. Um, And that's, I mean, all the way back to one of the earliest books Chronologically, mm-hmm. and, and you know, uh, in the meta narrative of the Old Testament, we're already acknowledging this. <laughs> For such a worm as I was at one point a controversial phrase in a, mm. in a famous hymn. 
At least it didn't say such a maggot. Yeah, maggot. Gosh, that's, that's like that's like uh, drill sergeant language, right? right? Yeah. Get over here, maggots. Um, I think we can probably pass by most of the rest of this because we've we've discussed it. He he realizes. Yep, what I've got to do entirely is throw myself at the mercy of another. It needs to be one who has never sinned. It needs to be one who also has the ability to make satisfaction for my sins. And of course, scripture tells us that even if a righteous man went and died, he would just be doing his duty, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's appointed unto all men once to die. You need only the one, though it's only one who could possibly do it, and that is the Son of God. Uh, and of course, he comes face to face with him uh, after after much trying. <laughs> That's another interesting uh, thing here. I don't know how much we discussed that, that he says he went and uh, begged for the father to reveal the son to him, and he didn't the first time, the second time, the third time, the f- but he knew that the word was true, and he kept yeah. on trying, and finally, I think the seventh time, biblical number of, of completion, he should have known uh, this, that, that he has this beatific vision he sees him not with his eyes, his physical eyes, but with the eyes of faith. And Christ appears to him and says all of this wonderful truth. That, you know, he makes all these Moses objections, right? I can't believe. What does it even mean to believe? I'm, I'm very, I'm a very great sinner, a great, a very great sinner, which is a great old timey way to say it. And he's told, "I've got you covered. Mm. Uh, you're, you're." going to be okay because you came to me and you pursued me and you didn't give up. Yeah. You're going to overcome to the end and you're going to get to the city. Uh, and he um, and he holds on to that, right? Throughout many dangers, toils, and snares. So after that, they they do go and check on ignorance. He's been a little too quiet. Yeah. Find him sleeping. This is not in the original text, but it seemed like a very Christian and hopeful thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm continually trying to make them more concerned then Bunyan has them for people who kind of uh, position themselves as adversaries of, mm. of pilgrims. Because in an allegory, you know, vainglory is a guy. In reality, vainglory is someone we should kill because it's a concept. Yeah. Right? And then you also have guys like Simple Sloth and Presumption. You're like, are these guys? Are these people? Mm. Or are these also just concepts? Temptations. Yeah. So, yeah. so for him, them to kind of hate ignorance as a concept, great. But then when they talk about how does someone like ignorance get where he is, it seems like he's a person, mm. so they should feel some compassion. They wake him up. They send him up ahead. They're like, go ahead. That way we also don't end the whole story with uh, someone going to hell. We mm. end it with someone accepting it to heaven. But uh, then they start talking about him. And we read, so I saw in my dream that they went on ahead at a steady pace while ignorance limped along behind. So that's a little difference. Then Christian said to his companion, I feel great pity for this man because in his end, his journey will come to a woeful conclusion. Hmm. They've seen that he has no interest in being corrected and hearing what they have to say. And this gets them started on a discussion because there is in, in vanity, in destruction, and even along the way, the pilgrim road... All sorts of people whose whole families even, yes, even whole streets with many being pilgrims as well, who are like this. Uh, So if there are many like him in our locality, then there must be a great multitude in the place where he was born, which is Mm. the town of Conceit. They've never been there. And they begin to to talk about, uh, you know, Isaiah 6, 9 and 10, quoted in John 12, he has blinded their eyes lest they should see. Um, That indicates, I think, the Calvinism of Bunyan. He's, he's saying he doesn't believe 
Mm-hmm. God hasn't granted him sight. Yeah. And then we get into this discussion of what is what is it that's missing? What is it that happens inside of the heart and mind of someone like this? They start talking Jokers. about fear. And fear becomes kind of the, a theme here. Um, good fear and bad fear. And a lack of fear in ignorance. Absolutely. Um, if you hear, by the way, all the work being done outside, it's just a reminder. Working yeah. church office... Uh, we can't control what the Department of Public Works does here in the capital of the High Five. It's it's out of our hands. It's it's in God's hands. Oh, yeah. We're Calvinists too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's good fear. There's the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, which uh, you know James quotes, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, it's from Proverbs. In the course of this, they talk about this guy temporary. Uh, Bunyan has him from the town Graceless. I don't like when two things have the same name. Yeah. Um, and uh, Graceless is already the birth name, the former name of, of Christian. Uh, so we <laughs> go a little bit deep cut and called it, uh, oh, it's it's this really pretentious name. I can't remember. Uh, Grazia, which of course sure. is just Greek for false grace. Um, and uh, actually, I guess it's kind of Greek Latin for <laughs> false grace. Mm. Uh, but... But that fits for me because, uh, you know, this idea of being very sophisticated, sophisticated enough to recognize I've grown beyond Mm. uh, this thing that I dabbled in for a while. Uh, Temporary, both of them know. Hopeful knew him as a a boy. Uh, He must have been friends with his father, it sounds like, and Christian had some dealings with him in whatever his business was Mm. in the City of Destruction. And they discuss how he was really like quite a, a figure in, in the world of religion with his zeal and, and how he started to turn his life around. And yet uh, he lived uh, for a while with a guy named Turnback. But all the same, he was, he was stockpiling stuff to go on pilgrimage. He was going to make a, a real effort at this until we read, all of a sudden he became a friend of one saved self. And after that, he became a stranger to me. Mm. So save self. save self got in there and mm. uh, there's a text given. It is Matthew 13, five to six and 20 to 21. It's not exactly about save self, but it's about this phenomenon. And it's from the parable of the sower, which should probably be called the parable of the, the soils because mm-hmm. it's about different kinds of soils, different hearts. Um, it might be worth even just kind of going through all of them. There's the, the, along the road, which would be the ground so packed hard that seed just bounces off of it. Yeah. Birds come and gobble it up. It never germinates. Nothing ever happens for it. And Jesus describes that as, uh, the devil snatching away away the gospel before it can Mm -hmm. even. So this is the, the hard hearted atheist who's atheist on the road. He's laughs. Yeah. Who you, you try once to bring the gospel to and go, Oh, I'm dealing with this pearls to swine scenario. Yeah. And I'm going to wait and see if this heart softens a little bit before I give them another chance to crush holy things underfoot. Then we have the rocky ground. Right. uh, And it springs up right away, but there's no depth of soil. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, of course, is what we're dealing with here, perhaps. There's no root. Sure. Right? Because the the rocky ground, I, I used to think of as big rocks in the soil. Yeah. You know, like like instead of really tiny rocks <laughs> comprising the dirt, mm-hmm. it's 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 more but from what I've read, it's like, uh it's yeah, a bedrock like, layer yeah, and underneath. then some soil on top. So like almost like dirt on a driveway yeah. or on a parking lot that's been abandoned and something starts to grow up and then those roots just hit mm-hmm. concrete. 
or a rock and they can't go down any further. But, you know, it's, it's interesting that it grows at all. It really mm. is. It's a mystery to me. Yeah. What spiritually is happening in that person? Yeah. I think we can ask questions about what happened to these people who Paul hands over uh, Alexander and the other name that I can't remember because it's not my name. Um, <laughs> I'm Aeneas? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he hands them over. Ostensibly, you know, these are people that are part of a local church. They have some kind of outward concept of repentance, right? They've been brought in. So like, and then, and then they just drift away and you go, how could that happen though? Yeah. It, 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 why does that happen? We talked about the, the individual in Hebrews six, right? Who has tasted of the things and experienced the Holy Spirit and, um, right. He, they've, they've, you know, they've experienced the word and all of these things. And then they just, they leave. But it's not satisfying to them for whatever reason. But it was for a time. Yeah. And then it sto- it ceases to be satisfying to them. And then it's no longer possible for them to be brought back to repentance. It's an odd thing that any kind of right false faith, false growth would even appear. I guess Why? it's part of that self-reformation. Mm. It is something that appeals even to the flesh. Uh, and it may be even uh, that the enemy allows it to. But but not to really get into and of course the, the different soils are the different hearts and mm-hmm. the heart has to be tilled by the spirit yeah. uh, and prepared just like ground would have to be uh, in the parable Jesus uh, describes the process of of this thing uh, withering away as but when the sun rose they were scorched and since they had no root they withered away mm. so the sun rising you know I mean what what can that be probably any number of things yeah, uh, beating and, down on them. Yeah. yeah, even even like more light being mm-hmm. shined and they don't like that, or right. it's, yeah, it's the trial of difficulty and, and heat, but the roots have no real way to pull in the moisture and the, the minerals and everything that is needed. Mm-hmm. The sun, of course, is very important. Photosynthesis, yeah. it should be helping it grow, but without that root, it's just going to kill it. Mm. Oh, wow, you really could go deep with that. Yeah. Um, Jesus was quite smart in his teaching, I yeah. find. And you never can exhaust. Well, the- yeah, if you're seeing that sun as a trial, you can go, well, to good-rooted plants, the trials benefit, Yeah, right? As, as you know, we see in First Peter, right? And this, is, this is a good thing. This produces endurance, right? This produces good things. And yet for others, mm-hmm. just death. Yeah, mm. that's wild. So, so that's another one. And then other seeds fell among thorns. The thorns grew up and choked them. And this mm. is another one that I always mispictured, I believe, as like there's a plant growing up and then thorns above ground kind of growing in around it, literally choking it out. And what I've read is the phenomenon you can find in the Middle East to this day is these thorny, thistly plants in the desert that grow up. And they are so good at slurping in all the moisture mm-hmm. that if they're nearby... They'll choke out any other plant. But either way, it works. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read in a minute what Jesus describes this as. I think that might be temporary. It's hard to say. We don't get, we don't get a lot of background or details in his life. Uh, other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Some are little faith. Mm. Some are great heart. Uh, he who has ears, let him hear. And when Jesus' disciples then pull him aside, and by the way, this is when they ask, why do you teach in parables? And he says, so that hearing they will not understand, etc. Um, he says, here's the explanation. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Mm. This is what was sown along the path. 
As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Hmm. I think it's so fascinating that it's two sides of the same coin worries, troubles, cares, anxieties, or carefree, you know, mm. riches, uh, gratification of the flesh, million Instagram followers, whatever. Yeah. Both are the thorns. They're the same thing yeah. when it comes to the gospel because they're a distraction. And I love how I think it's in Luke where he says, but it may be more. I think it's in Luke where he says, uh, th- like the deceitfulness of, of riches, the cares of this world, and other things. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's this other category of anything but mm. keeping your eye fixed on that point in the distance and not turning back because you put your hand to the plow. Yeah. You know, there's there's a corny old sermon illustration, and I'm full of these. You know that. Yeah. Uh, that a guy was told as he's first time he plowed a field, look way off in the distance, pick a point out there, and just go toward it, and you'll get perfectly straight rows. And he was like, oh, that's a great trick. And the farmer comes back and he finds his field is just like crazy maze, like wonky. And he's like, what are you trying to make a picture that they can see from space or something? The guy's like, what? No, I picked a point, but the cow kept walking around. Yeah, sure. It's silly. Sure. Uh, but <laughs> taking your eye off any fixed point, And now I think that's a good picture of this. Mm. You know, temporary had his eye on something, but he's like, ah, it's moving. It's moving on me. It's, 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 I'm not into that so much anymore. Um, I mean, I've, I, having just brought up, because I just watched it yesterday, the, the end of this Hillsong thing, the saddest part of all of the stories of any church falling apart, and usually beginning with, uh, when the world pays attention anyway, usually beginning with a pastor falling away, is uh, that a lot of people decide this whole thing was a sham. Mm. They don't just say, gosh, that pastor seems to have not been what he portrayed himself to be. Right. They say this whole thing must be just, I mean, gosh, if there are children amongst those people, now we're talking millstones, now we're talking, I mean, yeah. this is a this is a serious thing. Um, but if, if those people really had received the gospel into their hearts, they'd be bearing fruit a hundredfold. Hmm. And I know people who got saved into a church, found that church to be built on a house of cards or, you know, part of some kind of cover up or some kind of um, hypocrisy walked away from that church, but kept their faith because they knew that was real. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference between whether the seed was sown in the rocky soil, the thorny soil or the good soil. And and yet, you know, I think it's, I think it does make sense that they try and suss out and systematize what's going on in each of these situations. There is, yeah, we've joked about being Calvinists and we are. There's a thing called compatibilism, and it means that God having uh, predestined someone to eternal life doesn't mean that that person doesn't put their faith freely in him. Hmm. They're freed to do it by God's, you know, uh, releasing them from the bondage of sin, but it, it, these things are compatible. It's a, it's a mystery. It's a tension. Hmm. And so you do what Spurgeon does. He was asked, why don't you just preach to the elect if you believe in that? This may be apocryphal. I, I haven't found the primary source, but it sounds like him. The, the story is, he said, if there was a yellow stripe painted on the back of all the elect, I would preach to just people with the yellow stripe. But because there's not, I say, let all who will come and all who come 
are those whom he wills. And it's a really humble way, I think, to approach this stuff. We think about how can we do everything we can to remove every obstacle besides the cross, the big stumbling block, and then we get them there and we know God's glorified no matter what they do. Mm. He'll be glorified in in us proclaiming the gospel. Um, Save self comes along and it sounds like it's just quick, right? All of a sudden, he became friends with save self and all of a sudden, eh, I'm heading back home. This isn't for me anymore. Now, let me ask you, this is a personal question, and I'll just cut it all out if you don't want to answer it. But since you came to faith much later in life, um, on the cusp of, or actually being an adult, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, were, you were an adult. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't want to, you know, blow up the legend or anything, but converted a lot of your friends, yeah. uh, brought people to faith. Yeah. Um, well, you say a couple, but I've met like a yeah. handful anyway. Uh, I, I think your wife you led to the Lord too, right? Yeah. Were there people in the midst of that who were like, oh yeah, I am on board. And then you had that horrible moment, crushing moment where they were like, mm, no, not so much. And now they're back to living like they were. Yeah. Uh, three or three or four of them who either because it was a whole friend group getting saved all at the same time, there was excitement about it, you know, and they, they throw themselves in and, um, you know, they exist there for a while and then something comes along and, you know, one, one of them was they didn't get exactly what they prayed for and, and that just disproved everything. Well, I didn't get exact, and it, it was something silly and frivolous and meaningless, um, especially if if the thing that we're contemplating is eternity and judgments and, right, the, the whole universe being brought to bear and being recreated and, like, all of this epic scale that we read about in the entirety of the Bible and, like, this little tiny thing that you didn't get because mm-hmm. you prayed for it yeah. disproves all of it. You set out to disprove it. Okay. Yeah. Probably, be, right? Yeah, and you, once you put the Lord God to your to the test, you've Yeah. You're it, on the wrong side of this equation. So so there were people that just believed or just bought into silly silly things. There were definitely, you know, um one guy who was one of my friends um in school for a long time loved the idea kind of initially and then when 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 it came time for like real life change, real repentance, oh, I love getting together and studying the Bible. Oh, I love getting together and doing this. I like getting it. And it was like, it, it became apparent, well, you're just looking for a community. You're yeah, looking for a club. The sun started to beat down and yeah, it well, yeah. I'm not going to change what I do though. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, that's not going to happen. I'll still meet with you guys. And then you had to have that conversation with them. It's like, well, what's the point? Right. You know? Like, like if this is what you want, there's social clubs out there for you. But like, if you're just gonna, you know, continue existing in sins, and especially for a lot of new believers, like not wanting that temptation around, right? right. You know, of like, well, he's going to be bringing this, or he's going to be bringing that, or he's going to be bringing this drug, you know. And Mm. you go, okay, well, you can't be here then, you know, because you will harm or hinder other people's. So I, I think that. Part of the thing with um, part of maybe them being a little cold and distant to ignorance is that they have been ignorant and letting him in, letting him close, letting him, right, produce uh, false and foolish arguments 
you know, around every bend. Maybe part of the thought there was just this has more potential to be destructive than good. We've presented our arguments. We presented the, you know, uh, everything that we believe. He's rejected it. And at some point, yeah, when do you just have to throw your hands up and go, okay, this is swine and I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste the good news here because it's not, it's not going to have an effect, at least not now. Maybe, maybe in 10 years, we'll come back and try and have the same conversation. Right. Which is probably, for all we know, yeah. the, in the allegory as mm-hmm. they walk along, maybe it's 10 years between yeah. <laughs> the first and second time they talk to uh, ignorance and, mm. and he's more entrenched than ever. Yeah. I still remember what you confessed. I still want nothing to do with it. Yeah. Away with you. I've got my own way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah. and was that a was it a struggle for you? Was it a temptation to you to to lose faith because what you thought had been a real um, spiritual rebirth, a real raising of the dead, turned out to have been a temporary, you know, zap of the paddles or something that just made somebody spin around a couple times and fall back down? Did that? I mean, it definitely it definitely gave me an unhealthy. Um, questioning of like everyone around me, mm-hmm. you know, well, when are they going to walk away? Right. When am I going to walk away? Mm-hmm. But it, it, yeah, then, then it can also, I think on the other hand, produce, you know, it, more unhealthy things. It, especially because none of us were really saved into a church. We were just saved into a general gathering of people who got together and just read the Bible, mm-hmm. but didn't have a lot of, you know, a lot of zeal, but didn't have a lot of the knowledge to interpret right. it correctly. So a lot of the time, you know, you end up getting really, really inflated about, well, the people that spend more time with me, they've stayed, uh, you know, right. you know, you know uh, they've stayed on the narrow way. Uh, and, and it's when people drift away from me, right? Um, that it, 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 it didn't happen exactly like that, but like it definitely inflated my ego where like, oh, well, it's worked this many times. It'll continue to work. Makes me want to spend more time with you. Yeah. I want to spend a lot of time with you too. I just don't want to yeah. fall away. I mean, yeah, yeah, right. I don't yeah. find it enjoyable. It's, yeah, just... Right. It's, just, it's a suffering. <laughs> um, yeah. That, but did did it also at the same time remind you like we were promised this would happen? I mean, if you're studying the yeah. Bible, you've read the Gospels, you've read that. Well, the, the narrow way um, imagery has always been something that I've been really drawn to because it makes so much sense. Like this, I, especially coming from enjoying a lot of like hiking and being out on paths a lot and things like that. Like the idea that you could lose um, like like a little ranger trail or something like that. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll cut off half my time. But to see how, how many twists and turns and up and down hills and rough terrain it is, how easy it would be to lose your way off of that. Mm. Like, like, like that imagery always connected with me. And I was like, yeah, I can think of a, a broad way that – almost everyone finds. Mm-hmm. And in the narrow way that few find, this makes sense to me. You know, yeah. the, the, the imagery really made sense. So that was always something I was really, really, really drawn to. And yeah, as you start to live it out, it doesn't lose its bitterness and its sadness. But I think in the bitterness and in the sadness, it confirms a lot of your faith. And it confirms a lot of what Jesus said was going to happen, that not everyone's going to love this. People are going to leave. I'm going to say something harsh and then everyone but the 12 really right are going to mm-hmm. leave me. Yeah. Right? Oh, these are hard words. You know, bye. You knew that was going to happen. At, at, at some point, you're going to say something rough. At some point, you're going to 
ruffle the feathers of like the American health, wealth, and prosperity image. Right, or the American post-truth, everybody's, sure. you know... Everyone's fine. If you say or, all are welcome to worship here, and yeah. then you say, but Jesus wants you to live a holy life, suddenly you've bait and switched or something. Somewhat, it, <laughs> which, which, by the way, was one of the things that then, like, I think it was FX or whatever on that Hulu thing I'm watching about Hillsong, I, I was waiting for it, and they come in with... Yeah, they said everyone was welcome, but then mm. they start preaching this stuff about you can't stay exactly as you are. Right. God wants you actually to become different and more holy. And it's like, well, yeah, what did you think this was about? Mm. I think that at some point you have to be accused of being a legalist, and at some point you have to be accused of being an antinomian. Yeah. Right? It, you got to get both accusations coming from somewhere. Which Will is interesting, go- because is the, the famous statement, who was that uh, on the... Um, it might have been Horton, I think. It was somebody mm. in the kind of the dorkier part of the new reform movement, which was the safe part to follow, yeah. <laughs> um, who said, like, if you're not accused of antinomianism, you don't understand uh, grace. You're not preaching grace harsh enough. But I think you're right. Yeah. If you're only accused of antinomianism, yeah. somebody who has a more worldly point of view is definitely going to say you're a legalist, you're a Pharisee, mm. you want to say who is or isn't really following Jesus. And you're like, we just read a parable that lays out yeah. – how you know by the fruit or lack thereof what you're dealing with. So, yeah, judge not. And you go, well, Jesus said, make righteous judgments. Yeah. So we're talking about two different things, and we're actually talking about two different Greek words and two different concepts, but mm-hmm. we're not going to get into the weeds of that. That's fascinating. I have, of course, being in ministry for a while, also had a number, uh, quite a few people I've led to faith. I've thought, you know, I've even baptized. Mm. I've thought, wow, these people are going to do great things for the kingdom. And then you see them wander away. You see you see it happening almost like a slow motion train wreck that you can't stop because mm. trains are too powerful, even in slow motion. And then you go, God, what are you doing? Why would you even let me see mm. this? And then you have to remind yourself, this was promised. This was part of what I signed up for. Yeah. Is that if I'm throwing the seeds everywhere, it's not all going to land on good soil. We don't mm. have that. It's it's shotgun, not rifle, right? Yeah, this is not right. a scope and a, I'm finding all the right. No, this is seeds everywhere. And when some of it, if I never had it land on rocky soil or thorny soil, I'd say, I'm not throwing enough seed out there. Mm. I need to be a lot more kind of wide and uh, bigger tosses with the gospel as I preach. Right. The temptation to take 30 years to bring up a, you know, bring the gospel up inside of a relationship. (laughs) We're not quite close enough. Yeah. Where you look at it and you go, I get it. It, it, We both, we both sat through a class here where, you know, you know, you, in a very, very like statistical way, breaking down, okay, well, most people the way that they evangelize effectively mm-hmm. is they develop a relationship with the person. Great. But at some point you have to go, okay, well, I have 10 years invested in this. Right. How, I'm preaching the gospel often, without words, buddy. Yeah, I did. How often have I brought up Jesus? Yeah. How often have I made a call to repentance? Versus how uh, often we've joked about how poorly the lions are doing mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. just, I, I feel my role and I, and I say this in a mocking tone like I'm making fun of other people, but I think we all, myself included, fall into this. Mm. My role is just to, they know I'm a Christian, and I show them that Christians can be nice and fun and normal like everyone else. Right. And it's like, no, 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 that's not, that's not the Great Commission. He didn't say, go, go ye to all nations and make sure that they know that Christians can be nice and fun and normal like everybody else. Well, the parable of the tenets, right, I think is a great example of that. Like, like... Okay, so the guy just buried his tenant out in the desert. The talents, you mean? Oh, the t- talents, yeah. He, he you know, buries you bury it out in the desert. You your tenants in the desert, you're in real yeah, trouble. <laughs> right. 
but it, he, he just buries it in the desert and then yeah. goes and yeah, I mean, I'm living a great, wonderful life, aren't I? They know that I'm a good drinking buddy. They know that I'm always down to clown around, have and a silly goose safe. time. I buried it. It's yeah. safe. I've got that too. I still have the gospel. I got it all. You know? And he goes, deep in my heart. I buried it there. Why didn't you just put it in a bank? Yeah. <laughs> Get, get, get me some kind of return. Anything you know? at all other yeah. than, yeah, just, oh, but I knew you're a hard master. And so you wanted to make me angry? Like, who does that when you know that someone's a harsh master? Yeah. So, yeah, it's foolish. Now I have Christian having thought this through and, and giving kind of a, here's a general way I think this happens. And then hopeful turning around and saying, well, I've seen it very specifically and, you know, where the rubber meets the road work out this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a little bit more believable of a conversation <laughs> than the back and forth they have in Bunyan's uh, original prose. Uh, there's four steps here to, to what Christian suggests. So first off, though the consciences of such men are awakened, yet their minds are not changed. And so what happens then is just like the dog returns to its vomit, mm. it, uh, the sinner eventually goes back and, and uh, says, ooh, this looks like... You're going to eat that? (laughs) (laughs) I remember we had a a cat that had feline leukemia. My dad had to follow it around with a hose and spray the the little piles of puke outside so that it wouldn't keep on the cycle of just like re-puking the same. Very sad. Um, It's a very dumb uh, behavior. And you wonder if maybe God put it into creation just so that this could Mm. be in the Bible, not once, but twice. Uh, One of them being 2 Peter 2.22, which is a pretty easy passage to remember, 2.2.2.2. And so that's the first thing, Uh, no change of mind. And, you know, the the idea of heart and mind being completely distinguished is foreign to Scripture. Uh, Get out of your Mm -hmm. head and into your heart is nonsense to Scripture. But a conscience being awakened Mm. and a mind being renewed yeah. Obviously, two very different things. Second, uh, they have slavish fears that overwhelm them. Now, I speak here of fears that they have of men. So uh, it says in Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, the fear of men brings a snare. Hopeful's very able to look back at vanity and say, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. everyone was proud, arrogant, haughty, and their religion was considered low and silly and humiliating. Mm. And so... After a while, being the other, quote unquote, I hate that term, but you know, being being the freak that's pointed at um, in the 90s, that was what everyone wanted when I was in high school and college, right? To be yeah. the freak and everyone to think you were different. Uh, but for most of human history, it's not been desired. And you had to be a freak in the same way as everyone else was. Yeah. So to be different in the yeah. same way. Um, do you think that's factored in at all with anyone you've seen profess faith and then turn away, turn back? As far as the judgment of others, yeah, 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 I think that it was only something they were interested in. Several of them, I think, it was only something they were interested in. Again, as long as it didn't call them out of the world, you know, they didn't have to be the right ecclesia or whatever, right? Called out, mm-hmm. they didn't have to be that. I can still live it up, and I can have my heaven too. Um, where, where, as soon as it became apparent that, well, the things you're being called to believe is going to separate you completely from the world, you know? And Jesus's constant call is trying to get people to wake up to this reality of this passing away world and to not worry about it Mm -hmm. because it's passing away, right? Don't be scared of men who can take your physical body from you. Okay, they get one. When you breathe out on a cold day and you see that vapor, are you like, oh no, what's happening to it? Yeah, like, "Eh, that's that. I'm more worried about 
more permanent things in yeah. my life. Yeah. Uh, where if that isn't the worry in your head initially, and your worry is about men and pleasing men and right serving men and um, getting along with everyone in the world, then whatever you have is fake. I think today a lot of it you is know. a slow chipping away mm. of I can hold this line. Oh, I see that there are other people who say they're Christians, but their views are actually more acceptable yeah. to the culture at large. I'm going to go with that group. Yeah. And then I'm going to go with one that's even maybe a little more lenient and, and libertine. And then eventually most people just kind of fall out the other end of it. But even if you just stay there, the enemy is content. You know, mm. as long as you're not a peculiar people, as yeah. long as you're not, um, you know, walking the narrow road. Mm. I mean, th this is to stop walking the narrow road. It's not even walking it for the wrong reason, like ignorance. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can wind up actually uh, turning back like atheist and walking the other direction. Um, so the third thing is that the fear of men, which is great, now kind of dwarves the fear of hell. That's temporary. That flares up and they fear it and then it kind of goes away. Mm. And then fourthly, the pangs of guilt and the thoughts of terror are extremely distressing to them. They prefer not to see their misery before they come to it, though it is possible that the first sight of it, that is, if they appreciate such a view, might make them flee to the refuge where the righteous hide and are safe. Yet because they do, as I hinted before, shun any thinking about guilt and terror, therefore they are eventually rid of those stirrings, the terrors and wrath of God. They gladly harden their hearts more and more. And then that's it. That's, mm. the, that's the last bit. So it's a, a process. Yeah. And it starts with uh, a false awakening. And then it, it's fearing the wrong thing. Mm. And then it's not fearing the right thing. And then it's just like, well, I may as well harden my heart. Hopeful turns back and he's got a lot more uh, specifics. And I want you to stop me if I read something that really strikes a chord with you that you see today. One, they draw away as much of their thinking as they can from the remembrance of God, death, and the judgment to come. All right. There you go. <laughs> right. So Christian's then saying, I, I can focus on other things. You can, you can focus on uh, you. You can focus on your, getting over your baggage. You can focus on the project of, you know, or the movie that is your life. I mean, cram as much uh, drivel and entertainment and, right, it, it's secularism so I can be like the world. I don't want to be made fun of, right? So I have to be up with mm -hmm. everything. Let me just cram all of that. Right. We can push any real conversation till much, much farther down the road because- Modern medicine is so good now that I, I'm guaranteed to live till five or yeah, one twenty. You know, I'll be okay. Scientists now think that the first person to live to 150 right. has been born. Hi, I believe I am that man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but fill your time not being occupied with you know the kingdom, not being occupied with the city, not even calling to remembrance. Yeah, the reality. Don't uh, do there's judgment, there's death, there is a God in heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe these things if you ask me. Yeah. And when I go to a funeral, I comfort my my broken heart with, yeah, there's a God, he's in a better place, whatever. Yeah. But day to day, it's not something it I remember. starts to fade. Yeah. And, and I might even go to church and pull this off. Yeah. That's the scary thing. Yeah. Secondly, then they gradually neglect their private duties, private prayer, reigning in of lust, watchfulness, sorrow for sin, and the like. Mm. I think it's a good order too. If you stop with the private prayer mm. and the reading of scripture, you will soon stop reigning in your lusts. And that doesn't just mean sexual lust. That means any carnal 
desire, greed, avarice, uh, rage, revenge, whatever these desires, you know, the things that Beowulf, uh, <laughs> brags and, yeah, and revels in into the things yeah. that we should hate. Um, you start, well, eh, you know, I, I, then I'm not going to be watchful. Then I'm not going to be sorry for my sin or broken about it. Third, they shun the company of lively and warm Christians because why would you want to be around those people yep. when they are sorry for sin? They are praying and asking you how they can pray for you. They are reading the word and asking you, what are you encountering in God's word? I remember this awesome young lady named Zhenya. She was Russian. She just, uh-huh. we, we, this tiny church I was in in Grand Rapids, my wife and I were just talking about this, this wild cast of international and interesting people would just cross through, just be there for a while and gone and always wind up in this because we were the first Baptist church in the Yellow Pages, uh, uh. alphabetically. And it was fascinating. And so this this lady, Zhanya, we my, my parents invited her over for Sunday dinner. Uh, my wife and I, were, when we were married, um, my whole family all lived in one town. We all got together every week after church. Uh, and so we start eating and she says, so tell me, everyone, what miracles is God doing in your life? Yeah. And we all kind of looked at each other like, crud. Mm. We're being outed right now yeah. as people who don't view the world as, wow, God's doing great miracles in our lives. We didn't have anything ready to say. Mm. Uh, and we all kind of floundered and came up with something. But you could see in her eyes that she was like, feel, felt a little bad for us. Oh, yeah. We had, you know, you have the old story of the missionary bringing somebody from a developing nation home to, to speak and they're in a house and they look outside and say, who lives in that house? And they're like, oh, that's the garage. And they're like, what do you mean the garage? Mm. A house for the car. And then like 20 minutes later, they ask the person a question and they're still like, wait a minute, a house for the car? Mm. A house for the car. And you go, okay, we have all this, but we don't have any sense of, of miracles. We don't mm. have any sense of God at work. Yeah. That's, that, that's so lame. Mm. I mean, wouldn't you rather have the latter and not the former? Right. Well, yes. <laughs> it's easy to say yeah. when you have it yeah. and you live in the midst of it. But exactly. I, I'd rather have both, but mm-hmm. I think they rarely come together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have, having, you know, being warm, well-fed and all this temptation to complacency and yet also having this sense of, wow, only by God's grace have I woken up every day and, and he's so at work. It can be done. Um, but it's it's difficult. Uh, give me another poverty where no riches is is a great prayer, mm. uh, and then you go wait. What's riches? <laughs> <laughs> if I have the same as everyone on my street, does it guarantee that I don't have riches? Probably not. Uh, after that, they grow cold toward public duty, such as careful listening, reading the word, godly corporate worship, and the like. Then they begin to pick holes as we say, in the coats of some of the godly. Their devilish intent is to charge that religion is stained on account of some weakness. I have seen this so many times. Hmm. This is the death knell of someone's Christian life. They just start, everybody around them is, look at that guy, look at her, look at them, look at these people. And all you have to do is convince yourself there's no real Christians. Right. Mm-hmm. Sad thing is that the uh, kind of the founder of the Baptist Church in America, or uh, the American Baptist Church too, uh, is Roger Williams, hmm. and he wound up a seeker, con- convinced that there was no hmm. true church on earth. Right, and you know there, he had faced a lot of opposition. He'd seen a lot of hypocrisy, and it just seemed like, eh, is there ever? A group of people who really gather together for this stuff. Is there an Acts right. two church somewhere? You see it. You see it a lot, though, right? And 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 kind of frustratingly, even in really, really brilliant people, people on opposite sides of theological 
you know, controversies and things like that. You saw it with A.W. Pink, mm. you know, eventually getting to the point where yeah. because of my incredible, you know, you know, high-minded doctrine, I don't find anyone doing it this way. A.W. and A.W. A.W. Tozer. Right. Well, and it's, you know, and then and both of them obviously on different, different sides of certain conversations, mm-hmm. but both end up with this idea of, well, I have such a pure, specific view of the church and I don't see it. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes in their lives, you can find tragedy and you can find that they also were denied church planting and, and, and things like that, or things didn't go exactly as they thought that they would. And then that leads them into this suddenly, well, I'm the only one. Yeah. You That's, know, oh boy. And I'm going to go lock myself away. I'm going to go this, up on Mount Carmel and say, I, I'm the yeah. only one left. Yeah. <laughs> There's well, 7,000. The danger, the danger in that though you know, is oftentimes in the New Testament, our call to be to for love of the brethren and to be with the brethren and to exist as the body is so prominent, is so highly placed as far as even approving of you being a Christian that to just allow that to leave your life and go, I can nitpick everyone and I can disprove their faith. I can judge their heart accurately and fairly. Um, that you just go, man, what, what's happening in your soul then? You know, did you do all this great work and yeah. then it's just gone now? You know, all your great work is just written on pages, that not actually in your heart. The, the rocky soil, right? right? There's roots, there's fruit. There's, and yeah, that's, and, and you go, okay, someone can lose faith in the church, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're, we're with Cyprian saying, if God is your father, the church is your mother. Right. But you may not know, and you may have a bad relationship with your mother, and that sure. happens. Um, and and so we're not saying someone can't be saved uh, while they're out of fellowship. But wow, what a why would you want to face the end of your life like that? Mm. All alone? Yeah, could you even right? Because again, if we're getting to the sleepy, 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 mm. you know, poor, what got Christian through obviously is right his brother. Yeah, you know, you know someone to help pull you along, someone to joke with, someone to write bad poetry and, and to, to tell laugh you the at story you of their and, salvation yeah and, yeah uh to help right and then and then and then just scare off this image of apollyon mm-hmm. you know for you oh here's my brother right um that, he's not going to take on two at once yeah if you're if you're arm in arm with somebody else yeah. or if you're shoulder to shoulder that sounds a little more manly for us here <laughs> yeah i think that hand in hand <laughs> you wanna, Whatever. You wanna, yeah. Thelma and Louise with yeah. some other brother. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's there's such power in that though. Mm. I mean, kind of uh, safety in numbers mentality. I mean, that's why part two of the Pilgrim's Progress yeah, is so, so much more um, relatable, I think, for the Christian who gets saved in a more conventional way. Mm. Especially someone, you know, Christian's children come to faith as children. Yeah. And you go, this is what it looks like. There's a band of pilgrims here. And, you know, when you start to get tired going up uh, hill difficulty, Mr. Greatheart's going to pop you on his shoulders mm. and he's going to walk you the rest of the way up. And you go, oh, that's a beautiful picture. Yeah. Why on earth do you want to go? And I think it's important that several times, even in that first one, Bunyan's telling his own story. Mm. When you're in a jail cell, you don't feel like you have this a big group. Big community church. Yeah. yeah. Even when you're the pastor, the mm. second uh, imprisonment. But like you have these, these instances of them longing for, mm. you know, loving, like, oh man, being in that... Palace, beautiful. Yeah. That was something. That was amazing. Yeah, Paul's always longing for it. Yeah, right. He's, he starts many of the uh, you know his epistles 
right? With this idea, especially Romans, this idea that I, I want to be with you. Yeah, I want to be with you so we can mutually build each other up, invest in each other. He's not, he's not so bought into his idea of apostleship that he's above, you know, no, I need you. I need you to support me, not only monetarily, but just I need to be with you. Pray for me that yeah. I have the words to say and yeah. have the boldness to say them. Yeah. The irony of somebody who's planted so many churches yeah. thinking, I just want to be with one of them. Yeah, <laughs> for a while. Yeah, I'm stuck in this cell, but still content mm. in all situations, but not complacent, yeah. um, if, if there might be a, a recurring theme there. Uh, after that, then, they're, after they've poked holes in all the lives of these godly people, then they begin to attach themselves and associate with men who are carnal, immoral, and depraved. Yep. Why not? They all are. Even the mm. people who, at least these people are genuine and they know they are, right? Then they yield to carnal and depraved conversation in secret. Conversation here, not just meaning how you speak, but how you comport yourself. And they are glad if they can discover similar practices in those who are reputed to be honest. For these hypocrites only encourage them to be all the more bold. Mm. Uh, We're all, you know, this is just what it means to be human. <laughs> After this, they begin to play with little sins more openly. Oh, you see this too, right? Um, mm. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm going to start posting on my socials uh, where I was drunk the other night mm. or you know views that are antithetical to scripture suddenly you've moved in with your girlfriend right yeah you know <laughs> what, what was that, the old that idea thing, uh, someone well, the idea like the young man walks into your office and he talks about struggling with his belief and things like that and the first question out of a minister's mouth right should be when did you move in with your girlfriend <laughs> right because so oftentimes it's well i've already done all of these other things to open myself up to openly sin mm -hmm. that and then now suddenly, isn't this strange yeah. that I'm feeling- Sin has led to doubt. Yeah. When I tell the story later, I noticed all these inconsistencies and my doubt mm. that freed me to sin. Yeah. But that's not how that's it That's not goes. what happened. Then, having become hardened, they reveal themselves for what they are. Therefore, in being launched again into the gulf of misery, unless a miracle of sovereign grace prevents it, they perish everlastingly in the ocean of their own deceit. Mm. So that's Brutal the end stuff. of a chapter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Brutal stuff. I, I don't like to end it that way. So yeah. I went ahead and brought him a little ways into Beulah land. Um, I think we've gone pretty long here. And I think everyone knows the last digress of the season will probably be supersized. Why don't we spend Deluxe. time then starting with what, what Beulah land? I mean, Beulah land we've talked about quite a bit already, kind of. Mm -hmm. It's the idea of a respite. And it doesn't necessarily, I think, have to mean that you are very, very old. Um there's a period before death where peace often comes. Uh, and what, what do you think? Understanding. Yeah. This one thing I want to ask you, one detail. What do you think is the meaning, uh, the antecedent of this allegorical phenomenon of shining ones walking openly, casually amongst the oh, humans yeah. in Beulah Land? You're not yet over the river. You haven't died. You haven't reached the city. What is, does this mean you're seeing just more heavenly? Yeah, the concept of them being ministering spirits, right? But as, you know, it, uh, it says in Hebrews 1, but I think that also there's, there's, a, there's just that blurring of the line maybe between these people who are kind of passing and dying and like their ability to see other, see into the next. Like I remember I had a pastor tell me about one time that he was by someone's deathbed as they were dying as they were starting to kind of pass they were already having this monologue oh, yeah. i've seen this so many times you know yeah begging right pleading mm -hmm. 
uh, very, very Matthew 7, Lord Lording yeah. about their life. And they're still, you know, you could snap your fingers and you can get their attention temporarily or something like that. So but like they're, they're not in fully this, present either yeah, place. Yeah, they're in yeah. this blurred time of seemingly judgment before their death. There's got to be more to it than just that. This this seems to be a, an extended place. Like you can you can be there for a while. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, they get there, right? And and the one woman's already on her way out. Yeah. So, yeah. so you're there you're there for maybe She's like, yeah, you know. But I mean, what is even two or three days in the world of the Pilgrim's Progress, who knows? Right. Um, well, Maybe maybe this is the last few golden years. What what does it mean too that that the sun shines old. day and night, and therefore you're out of the reach of uh, doubting castle and the giant despair, well beyond the shadow of death. You're not going to well, fall that, back into these things. That's revelation imagery. Yeah. yeah, right. This idea of the sun not needing to exist because the light, God Himself, right? is our light. Yeah, it's he's drawing on a lot of imagery that isn't actually on that side of the river. Right. Yeah, so there's a foretaste. It's so present in their life that it might as well be, maybe. It's interesting too. Maybe people died different, you know? (laughs) No, I mean like, really, really. They they died more aware. They weren't completely zonked out by drugs to quote unquote make them comfortable. This uh, Puritan idea of dying well, Mm -hmm. even in those last moments, you are preaching the gospel. Yeah. How crucial it is to remember that maybe just people just died differently. All of and, history until very recently, not just the church. Think yeah. about like, and obviously this isn't a history uh, textbook, but 300, which was a graphic novel, and then became <laughs> yeah, a, sure. uh, uh, the, 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 I, I think it accurately captures this notion of we Spartans have a, oh. an idea of a good death. Mm-hmm. And I, if I meet the right warrior and fight valiantly, yeah. I, he could grant me a good death. Yeah. All right, that's not the right idea of what we should long for, but at least there is a concept yeah. of I want a good day. I want it to mean something. Mm. I want the, to to get to the finish line and really breast the tape. Okay, yeah. I don't want to just kind of slump over. And for the Christian, like you said, yeah, to say my testimony to the very end, I don't care if I've got a bedpan under me and anyone who looked at me would go, oh, what a poor yeah. you know, sap that guy is having to die like this. But I die with I can, a smile and singing. Yeah, I, if, I, if I die praising yeah. my Lord, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, I'll take that any day. And what a witness that is. Even, I mean, don't, discount the witness to the nurses and doctors sure. and, and CNAs around or or whatever the case. Um, there's... Because you will die different than other people, than the unbeliever, I think, in there. And it. my wife's in the medical field, mm-hmm. watches plenty of people die, you know. Um, but uh, she will sometimes come home and she will have stories of people who, uh, you know, when you meet the surgical staff before and everything like that, that... They just want to, you know, genuinely pray with the people and the words that they use and the term. You're just like, wow, this is someone who's ready to go. Mm. And they're not glower and they're not, you know, reaching around to grab onto a hand somewhere because they need some semblance of human touch because they might not come out of whatever surgery. Like it's just someone who's so overly confident with With non-vain glory. Yeah, I'm going to be fine. Glory, glory. I know I'm going to be fine because if I come out of this, great. And if I don't, even better, mm. you know? Yeah, to live as uh, Christ, to die as gain. Yeah. Uh, what, and name a situation in which I don't come out on top here. Yeah. There's not one. Th- so it, it, 
that imagery, I, I, I know, especially for my wife, has been such a boon in a world that's obsessed, you know, just completely death cult obsessed with death, right? Mm-hmm. The enemy, just it, that's prominent. That's what everyone needs to constantly think about and talk about and exist in and uh, live in. Uh, that to have people that just are already past it, they've already moved past the idea. I know what death is, and I'm not scared of it. You know, uh, you will die different, and you will communicate stuff to people. I think I know exactly how you're going to die. Are you? Are you telling me? I'm not going to tell you no. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I think it's it's we'll fascinating. Talk after. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just I'm keeping this close to the chest. Um, I, I think it's fascinating the 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 sun shining day and night. Mm. Like for most people, you get near the end, everything gets darker. Mm. For the believer, they get near the end of the road and things get brighter and yeah. brighter and brighter. It I think near the end, and that's why this Beulah Land thing is so important that he included it in my mind. Mm. It, it almost amplifies the difference between, and I mean, we think of people being 95 or 85 or 79 or something. In much of history, you know, it could have been, I know the infant mortality rates skew a lot of these things, but but it, it could have been, you know, that you're 55 mm-hmm. and you're in Beulah land and, and you know, you can't, you can't see because we don't know how to do cataract surgery. You can't mm-hmm. walk because we don't replace knees. You're old and... You know, you're you're living now in a way where the world might have physically dimmed, and that just serves to like enhance what you're seeing of of the city mm. shining back in you, and and less and less, you know. And again, this is getting ahead, but like I needed that glass to look through, or it burned my eyes before through this mm. glass darkly. Then I get to Beulah Land, and I can look at it, but I still can't see the detail. Mm. And then I can chuck this thing aside when I go over the river. And now, you know, there's there's almost a, an intermediary step. There's not a lot of scripture for that, although there are a ton of scriptures for us to look up uh, for Beulah Land, for being lovesick. And then going over the river, this has been the second to last digress of season one of the Pilgrim's Progress. Don't worry. If you're a patron, Mr. Sagacity and I are going nowhere. We're just going to be bringing you weirder stuff. Yeah. Deep cuts. Getting crazy with it. Reviews of odd renditions of the Pilgrim's Progress, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Um, and definitely don't unsubscribe once you hear that last uh, uh, podcast episode. Uh, keep it subscribed because we are already talking about uh, part two, Christiana and the boys uh, making their way along with a whole cast of other characters. In my mind, even though... It, there are parts of it that are problematic, which we've already talked about, um, and I'm not sure how to deal with. By and large, it's a more powerful, it's a mm. stronger piece. It's well-written. And he wrote it because so many people <laughs> had, had come out and claimed this is part two. Right. Oh, yeah, I'm T.S. I wrote part two. You're like, T- who's T.S.? You're nobody. Yeah. <laughs> and he finally was like, okay. I don't think it was a money grab. I'll give him a part two. I think it was, a, yeah, it was yeah. like, a, if there's going to be a part two, I'm going to provide it. When you can see how much he grew, too. Just in his faith, yeah, in his understanding of needs, and you know, expressing, expressing the Christian walk a little differently. Well, it's frustrating yeah. that he grew because that means continuity-wise, <laughs> right. some problems. Yeah. But yeah, that's it, it. Is it is awesome? And I mean, when you read about his death, hmm. uh, like Spurgeon died young, like Spurgeon died well, hmm. and uh, witness to the end. And now, still, his faith, like Abel's. I mean, good grief! How many? 
how many people would have thought this tinker, right, from Bedford yeah. is going, who swears so much prostitutes literally, <laughs> like, scold yeah. him and call the police. Yeah. He is going to be, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of years later, still uh, bringing us all this great uh, insight and, and devotional material. So, yeah, stay subscribed, stay on board, but more important than any of that, stay on the narrow way. Thanks for listening. To support this program and for additional content and perks, visit patreon.com slash pilgrimsprogress. Make sure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and please take a moment to leave us an honest review. This recording, copyright 2022, high and silver, all rights reserved. Produced by Brad Atchison and Zachary Bartles. Theme music licensed from pond5.com. Scripture quotations are from the ESV Bible, the Holy Bible English Standard Version, copyright 2001 by Crossway a publishing ministry of good news publishers. Used by permission, all rights reserved. For more audio experiences of my fiction, visit www.zacharybartles.com audio. Hi, and Silva. Got to 